Yo, 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 welcome back. My name is Dex. And this is Jay. Thank you for joining us on Complicated Discord. Uh, today we're joined by three guests. Uh, we have David Perez and Jan and John Myers. Uh, before we get any further, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Go ahead, David. My name is David Perez. I'm from uh, Newport News, Virginia. I was born and raised there. Uh, my family is from Puerto Rico, so I'm a Hispanic American, um, United States citizen. You know, a lot of people don't think, <laughs> I, you know, Puerto Ricans are from, uh, are, are, are part of the United States. They think that uh, we're uh, immigrants, just like a lot of, you know, other uh, cultures out there. But uh, I'm I'm proud to say that I'm an American. Hey, hey David, a quick question: uh, Are you a uh, are you a New York Rican or, or did you did you come did you come straight to Florida? Uh, you know, um, well, Virginia is a mixture um, because we're we're so close to New York, so we get some of that New York vibe. Uh, but uh, no, I'm a Virginia Rican. Okay. Not a New York, but I have that that same vibe as you know the people from up north and you know, that accent comes out at times and it's because of the people that I was around growing up. So. I can dig that. All right, Jan, go ahead. Tell us something about yourself. Um, my name is Jan Meyer. I am originally from the Caribbean. Um, so U.S. citizen as well. I'm <laughs> 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 um, a trusted estate's attorney, and we now live in uh, Dana Point, California. Okay. And John, go ahead. Hey everybody. My name is John Meyer. I'm Jan's husband. Um, I'm a nurse and uh, living here in California. Uh, we also have two kids um, that are um, of mixed i guess uh mixed race and uh so that's me hi everybody hey well you know what's been crazy 2020 has been a crazy year so far man sure has how y'all been handling it i've been trying to hang in there man there's been a lot of stuff going on man a lot of stuff going on. what's been going on with you though personally, personally 2020? Uh, honestly man just trying to make money you know the economy's been really bad right now. <laughs> Not my job, you know, it's been really slow. Well, it depends. The economy is bad depending on your job. I mean, that if you true. if you're a, if you're a repo man, you're pretty sure you're doing great right now. <laughs> repo man, the tow truck drivers, man, they living their best life. That is true. <laughs> How about you, Dave? How twenty twenty been treating you? Man, I can't complain. I cannot complain. Twenty twenty has has definitely been full of adventures. Um, it started off a little whack. Um, then uh, I have a little family business going on. Called okay, Home. what is that? What, what's the business you don't mind me asking? Um, we do uh, a lot of durable medical equipment, stability uh, oh. products. We work with the VA. Uh, we try to make the veteran's home accessible for them. Um, and I'm working on a new project called I Can Mobility, selling durable medical equipment online. Um, you know, drop shipping nationwide. So... Um, even though that everybody's saying this 2020 is really no tunnel vision, you know, you make 2020 what you want to make out of it, you know, and if you'll, you'll, you'll strive through anything. And if you want to make something then you know, you'll make it. So, um, I'm just going with the wave, man. Just, uh, just trying to stay positive and, you know, just trying to work. <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. actually done with school. Um, well, not halfway done with school in August. Uh, this year, I'll finally be completing my associate's degree, which to me is a huge milestone, yeah, you know, just does, because um, as a Hispanic American, you know, you don't you don't get that a lot. Um, and a father of two kids, you know, working and taking care of two kids, you know, it's difficult going going back to school. So that's a huge milestone for me right there. Let me tell you something. I, I just recently finished getting my bachelor's, too. Right. And, uh, and Jan, Jan is my sister in law. Uh, so I called her and I said, yeah, I, I finished school for a while. I don't got to worry. And she knows I'm going to law school. So when I told her, she just kind of started laughing to herself, like, only if you knew. <laughs> <laughs> only if you knew, man. Yeah, she's like, oh, man, this what, is going to be funny. What is he in for? That's what I want to know. How about you, John? How's, uh, how's 2020 been treating you guys so far? 
Um, I've had a relatively easy 2020. I just had a major operation on my ankle, got it replaced from an injury long ago. So the timing as a nurse could not have been more perfect for me. So I, I left work at the end of February okay. to recover from the surgery for six months. So, you know, the stars aligned or whatever with the timing of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been huge. I definitely would have been working throughout this whole entire thing had I not gotten the surgery, and I would have been definitely struggling a lot more um, with walking on the previous ankle. So it's been it's been great for me. Um, you know, just home the whole entire time, quarantining, staying safe. So not so bad. Twenty's been treating me all right. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jan? Um, 2020 has been an interesting year. Um, well, I've had to be quarantined at home with uh, my entire family. So I work from home and home's my office and <laughs> usually they're gone. <laughs> so I actually get to have the house to myself. So I've had to learn to work with my entire family at home <laughs> in my office. <laughs> That's difficult right there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <For goodness>. But I think just overall, it is, has been the year of adaptability, yeah, of, um, innovation, finding ways to continue to practice and meet my clients' needs in the midst of um, a pandemic, being comfortable with, um, you know, being okay saying no to um, clients who want an, an, an in-person consultation. Um, I used to be the girl who was so afraid of saying no because you're afraid of losing the money. And right now, with the economy being what it is, you want to just grab onto any money that comes through the door. But um, saying no has actually allowed opened other doors and allowed me to um, really be able to have the kind of practice that I've been dreaming of having. So um, interestingly enough, 2020 has been turning out to be okay. And I actually agree with you, David, that um, if you, just because we're in a pandemic and just because we're, we're probably staring at an economic um, recession, doesn't mean that if you have a dream, you put it on pause. You know, um, what you're finding is the businesses that will survive this are the ones that are able to adapt and adjust to what, what's going on and still finding ways to meet clients' needs in the midst of all this chaos. So um, don't sit on the sidelines, people. Jump in. <laughs> well, let me ask you something, Jan. Um, I know in the law office I work, we are starting to do a lot of uh, bankruptcy cases. Does seeing as how you do estate planning, does that kind of overlap for you at all? Like, has that made any any uh, any large differences in how you've been having to handle your clients? Um, no, uh, because often estate planning is one of those um, practice areas that um, people tend to do it if they feel like they're. Um, financially secure enough um unless they're they're in a situation where it's like we don't have a choice you know it's like um if someone's going to the hospital and you're like you know what? we need to get our stuff in um in order they come in anyways and so um i've always had a system of like working with clients who um can't just drop you know a couple of thousand dollars on an estate plan um coming into the door um so i think that i haven't really seen much of a difference um with like bankruptcy having an effect on my practice. Um, and I have not had the desire to dive into um, bankruptcy <laughs> area, <laughs> even if I know um, that it is one of the areas that will pick up steam yeah. and definitely um, carry through 2020. Um, we saw it in the 20, the 2008 recession. Bankruptcy was one of those practice areas that just boomed and there was a lot of business in um in bankruptcy however like i said i haven't had the desire the inkling to kind of jump into that um, but i know other attorneys that have as they've seen their practice areas kind of slow down so well it's, it's good that everyone's been having at least a somewhat decent 2020 i will tell you the world has not been handling it well <laughs> things things have been rough and you know we're, we're talking about the stuff that we hear on a lot of mainstream media but there's a lot going on that we haven't heard about um, you know, there's there's floods everywhere, brush fires, Australia like had a huge fire, uh, Dubai and Indonesia are having some real bad floods. Africa has been hit really, really rough. Um, on top of the coronavirus, 
they've had a, a, a swarm of locusts yeah. that you know have been decimating their their food. Mm-hmm. They also have been hit with uh, anthrax outbreak and lassivirus, you know. And then Brazil, Brazil has been hit with arena virus, you know. And you know the crazy thing is, it's not even just the humans. The animals have been getting it bad too. Now there's a new thing called the bunny Ebola, <laughs> as it's been nicknamed, you know. And it's been a deadly virus. It's been ripe, it's been wiping out rabbits um, in you know southwestern U.S. So you know, 2020 is is shaping out to be a, a rough one. So, you know, if you, if you survive it, you know, so be it. But, you know, even with everything going on, I think the, the biggest thing we've been facing, like I said, other than the coronavirus, is, um, is the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the, the protests that's been going on. You know, everyone's trying to get the police defunded. And, and you know, basically, it's about people asking for basic rights to be treated fairly like everyone else, you know? Um, what are you guys, what's your insight on that? Honestly, I think defunding the police is a bad idea, man. Think so? Yeah, you can't do that, dude. I feel like, I feel like defunding the police is a bad idea. I feel like we need to learn how to allocate, you know, more money to other parts, but completely defunding a police, that, that's, that's going to lead to nothing but chaos, in my personal opinion. But I mean, what do I know? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you're definitely right, man. It's, it's, it's a, you can't you can't get rid of all policemen. You do you absolutely hundred percent need them. But at the same time, you gotta train them. That's really the big I think the big issue that we're having is because when you think about it, it's it takes longer to be a barber than it is to be a cop. A- ab- you, absolutely you think about that. Absolutely. That's, that's crazy. Cause you're giving somebody a gun, you're giving somebody a lot of power to go out there and deal with the craziest of situations. You know what I mean? And they they have they have no training to, be yeah. able to handle these situations. Yeah. So when they get into it, their first their first habit is to overreact rather than to wow. react. But I think the biggest problem is people are seeing that they're overreacting to the to just one specific type of people. You know, and I think that's where the issue is uh, is starting to branch out. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you guys think? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when I first heard the, the phrase defund the police, I had, I think, the same reaction of you, can be, you people are crazy. Like, what do you mean defunding the police? You can't just take away all of the um, police's resources. We need police officers. We need good police officers, but we need police officers. You know, it's like um, no one is asking to be in um, an anarchist state. Right. And then I started to actually research what defunding the police actually meant. And what I found was people aren't saying take away the police's resources. What they're saying is that we have the police responding to a lot of situations that they are not trained for. Exactly. Yeah. We're we're throwing them into situations that might better be handled by uh, a social, uh, you know, a social worker, you know, and we're asking them and we're we're putting them in, 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 in these situations and they have no experience, no training. And so maybe what we should be doing is reallocating some of those funds Um, as the the call for defending the police have come up. You start to see um, cities budgets, um, budgets and state budgets and county budgets and so much of those budgets are going towards the police department while taking away uh, funding or um, allocate because so much of the funding is allocated to police those other areas are not having enough funding you know so social work um mental health care education that sometimes we're so quick to take the funds out of those places and putting them into the police um into a police budget and then we're not training the police to actually handle Mm -hmm. those things that it seems more of instead of saying take a, like defund the police, like get rid of the police. What people are really trying to say is maybe we need to start really examining the budgets and allocating some of that, like reallocating some of that money towards those programs, towards education, towards mental health, towards social services, because maybe if we're taking care of the root issues, we wouldn't need the police to be handling those kind of things so much. So I think that, 
I'm, I'm, so then all of a sudden, like, I'm not so much on the, wait, you people are crazy calling for a different end of the <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of the, I, 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 if, if, what, if, if what you're saying is reallocating funds, um, to certain areas and what you're saying is putting more training um, for um, for cops then I'm definitely for if that's what defunding the police means then I'm for that um, that type of thinking and um, and reform well the thing is Jan we're, we're both from uh, from New York uh, I don't know if you were, if you were there back in the day when the cops used to have to walk the beat they would have to walk and get to know the people in their neighborhoods they're not doing that anymore and I know a lot of people are saying that that's one of the main elements missing nowadays that the cops aren't getting to, to the community. Exactly. Yeah, they're not, yeah, they're yeah. not getting to know the people. They're not learning anything about them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So when they get to a situation, it's easy to say, hey, you know what? I don't know that guy to hell with him. Rather than, oh, well, you know, I built a, a relationship with these people. I've, I've been seeing them. I've been talking to them. You know, this may be a bad situation, but I could possibly end this in a way where everyone comes out of it, you know, better off, you know, maybe a little worse for wear, but at least still walking away from it. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I think that's what the biggest issue is is nowadays. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree <laughs> that that's definitely something that is missing. Um, and one of the things that, like, I don't know, like, we talk about this stuff a lot at home. And one of the things that we were talking about, you, you begin to realize once you really start to dive into the conversation of, like, you know, we should have local um, people policing their own communities. Um, it's, it, it becomes a much more complicated conversation. You know, it's like it's not as easy as bringing in black cops into black neighborhoods. You know, it's not as easy as having white cops only be policing white neighborhoods and immigrant um, cops only. Uh, sorry. um, uh, Yeah. Immigrant cops uh, policing their neighborhoods. It's not so easy because then we really become a segregated like we, we, we begin. If the idea is we're asking for integration and we want like true integration, true um equality, then we can't be advocating for it. I I shouldn't say we can't be. It becomes counter to integration if we're asking for a segregated police, um, like segregated policing, because that's what you're going to end up with if we have. And then we have people living in, you know, it's like no, no neighborhood is pure. You know, every neighborhood has, you know, um, like my neighborhood is mostly white, but there are also blacks and Hispanics. So what kind of cops do we put into that neighborhood? Only white cops or we put in like it. So, so it's like it's not an easy. I think, I think the, the solution is to put the cops who live in that area. Uh-huh. I think that's that's the best thing you can do, because if the cop gets to know, like he was saying, walking the beat, the cop gets to know the people that are actually in the area then you can know, you know, better what, what's going on, you know? See, here's the issue with that, then. You're going to run into a situation where, since a cop is from the neighborhood, they're going to favor certain people over others. What happens when your buddy gets pulled over, your buddy gets in trouble, then all of a sudden it's, uh, you know what, there's no one here, man, get out of here. It's a it's, it's a fine line between, you know, between, between letting someone that lives in a neighborhood patrol that neighborhood or letting someone who can, who can, I don't know who can, I guess, build a relationship with the community to control that neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but that's how like town started off. They started off with like, a sheriff, right? And, and so the sheriff knew everybody in town, right? And there were times where sheriffs were found to be corrupt because yeah. they would help out those that they like, their wives, their husbands, their their brother-in-law, their sister-in-law. That's how you get areas where you have just one family running an entire town because the person that's in power hire all of his friends and his family yeah. members. You yeah. So you got you kind of have to be careful with it on on that aspect as well. You can't just sit down and say, "Well, you know, you're from the neighborhood, walk the beat in the neighborhood that you grew up on." Because then again, what happens to someone who has a bad uh, relationship with somebody in the neighborhood and he's that's a cop? True. You know. Well, see, that comes back to the point of like having a good cop. You know, starting off. I with think a good person to do the job. <laughs> good person. That person is subjective, though. What you might find good, I might not. Yeah. I think what needs to happen, yes, is what Jan said, which is education. But um, also, um, we should be going more off of their personality. I don't think everybody should be a cop. Oh, absolutely not. Because, you know, and it's not about black, white, Hispanic, Asian. You know, it's more about a mental thing. It's about their mental state of mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's where... That's where a lot of cops become bad cops, right? Because it's their mental state. It's it's what they've been through in life. 
you know, and they don't know how to handle certain situations. So um, they just react on the fly, you know, and that's where a lot of cops get in trouble. But no, I, I, I truly think and I truly believe that having cops patrolling their neighborhoods, um, you know, yeah, you can be local, but not inside the same neighborhood because um, having them inside the same neighborhood, man, you're going to have a lot of crime, you know, behind your back. And you're not even going to worry about it because just like what you said, um, you know, it's friends and family, man. I can't let them go to jail, mm. you know. So that means your neighborhood's really, you know, it's going to be cool, calm, but it's not going to be to the point where, you know, crime is going to go down. Crime is just going to be where it's at, but everybody is just going to be cool and don't care about what's going on. <laughs> you don't want that to happen, man. You don't want that to happen, man. You know, we still need law and order. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, 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 you know, a lot of times, um, you know, ah, you know, F the police, F this, F that, but, you know, they're who keep us safe. You know, we, we may not think so, but it's, it's, it's just a, a mindset. It's just a mental thing, you See, know, but that's, 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 I guess that's one of the problems. They don't always keep you safe. There's times it's in certain neighborhoods you'll call the cops and they won't get there for two, three hours, you know, but why is that? And, and you know that's 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 I guess when we get the, the mind frame of you know what I don't got to deal with no cops. So what's the point of calling y'all? Y'all aren't gonna come anyway. And then when you do come, you guys completely overreact to some of the simplest of situations. Like because some, people call, some people say I'm not gonna call the cops on this guy now because if the cop come, they're gonna shoot him, and then the, the headache that's gonna end up having to you know come out of that. You know, it, it's, see, it's, uh, see, you said something there. You know, and what you said is it's it's how we grew up. It's, it's what we were taught, right? Because I, I didn't grow up in a good neighborhood. I don't know if you did. You, you're, you're from New York, right? So you probably... You're from Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Yep. So you didn't grow up in a good neighborhood. So we were taught not to trust the cops. Right? Well, it, it's a little different coming from a West Indian household. You know, we didn't really mess with the cops too much. So... You know, it, we were basically thought you leave them alone, they leave you That's alone. So, I mean, most exactly. of us were illegal anyway, so we just kind of like kind of stay out of trouble. You were illegal. <laughs> you were illegal. <laughs> I, I, I have been a citizen since I was sixteen. You were illegal, my friend. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Caribbean people they come here, they get good jobs, and they they, they stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that was under the bus, man. Jesus. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> but you know. So to move on from this, we also have um, a lot of this stuff going on now where people are arguing the whole phrase of Black Lives Matter. Now it's, oh, all lives matter. You can't say Black Lives Matter. Oh, that's crap. You're racist. And, you know, John, I, I know that you guys went out there and you guys were protesting. How do you feel about, about that? When you see people tearing down the Black Lives Matter signs and, and you know, get, oh, that's racist. You can't say that. All lives matter. Like, how do you feel about that? Okay. So first off, that conversation about all lives matter versus black lives matter, that should be put to rest by now, in my opinion. We should not be, ha there should be nobody that is ignorant about what saying all lives matter means when black lives movement is going on. So if you're still saying uh, all lives matter, you're not making a mistake by saying it. You're saying you're anti-Black Lives Matter. So that's the way I perceive that. It's a good one. Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is something, in my mind overall, is something that should never have had to come about in the first place. Um, for black people, colored people, people of color, to feel like um, their lives uh, don't matter as much as others, um, that their lives don't carry the same value in many different situations throughout society is something that in my mind that it just makes me sad that it even had to become a thing. Um, I'm glad that it is becoming a thing. I'm glad that it is um, something that is you know, being protested right now and not only by black people, um, by white people like myself, by many other white people that I saw in my community personally and by 
tons of Hispanic and Latino people, which has made the biggest impression on me since we started um, seeing the protests and being involved in the protests is that we see a ton of other, you know, other groups of people coming out for Black Lives Matter. So I think that's been an awesome response. You know what? I agree. It has been awesome. The, the, the banding together is, is unprecedented. But, you know, you still have these little small pockets who, who don't agree. Like uh, you'll see a video here where you'll have uh, Latinos or Hispanics saying, oh, no, nah, black lives don't matter. They did it to themselves. It's good for them. They're making it bad for us. Or I'm not black. That has nothing to do with me. That's their issue. You know, being, being Hispanic, how, how do you feel about that, David? Like, what, What's your opinion on that whole thing? Well, <clears throat> you know, a Puerto Rican is made out of... Uh, three races, African, European, and Indian. So, you know, I'm part black, I'm part European, and I'm part Indian. Which part? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, my kids are brown, you know, like my kids are darker than me. Um, you know, I have cousins who have green eyes. I have cousins who have, you know, who is your color? You know, I, I, I have cousins like that. So black lives matter to me. Uh, but the one thing that I can't um, and, and I don't tolerate is all the looting that's going on. You know, I, I don't feel that, you know, we have to burn down buildings, break into, you know, to, into homes yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we need all of these violence to prove a point. I agree. I, the thing is, I, I understand. You know, when you say you don't, you don't, you don't approve of the looting. I'm not saying I do, but I can kind of understand why it happens too. At the same time, here's what I don't. You get. know, I get that all the time. Hold on, here's what I don't get. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with destroying your own community. Because at the end of the no, day, no. If, if something changes, if nothing changes, you're still stuck living here. You still have to live in that community. And now you destroyed the only pharmacy now that you have or the only shoe store. When nobody wants to open it and develop that community, now it becomes an issue of, okay, why are the property values going down? Why are people able to come in, buy us out at such a low cost, make the rent super high so now we can't live here anymore? All so, further in gentrification, and that's, that's a big issue. So check this out, right? So like what, like a month ago, we had all, you know, this looting going on and burning down malls and doing all that. How many of those kids, right? Because we got to call them kids because half of them were kids worked in the malls, worked in, you know, exactly. they were burning down their own job. Exactly, right? exactly. So now, now, not only do they not have the resources, now they have no way to, to gain money to purchase the resources, even if they had them. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, that's so the problem, too. To, to me, that's not a movement. That's not a movement. To me, a movement is everybody who really cares about this situation and march to Washington, D.C. You know, that's a movement. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's more powerful than what we're doing now. Because you saw um, that, you know, once the Black Lives Matter started again, how we changed our focus from the coronavirus to just Black Lives Matter. Yeah. yeah. And you saw that everybody hopped on that train. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of, honestly, I feel like it's switching back. Because if Black Lives really matter, then you would have kept on going. Yeah. Yeah. So, So do Black Lives really matter? Or they just hop on a train. You know what, you know the is, I don't think Black Lives Matter until a black guy gets killed, and then it comes back up again, and then we forget about it. And, it and you forget about it. Yeah. So what are we doing to change it? We're not doing anything. That's true. Every so often, this happens. Mm-hmm. Someone gets killed by the cops, and then what? Ah oh, man, you know the cops is cops that. But after that, what happens? Nothing. Nada. Same yeah. shit. Here's the thing. Some people get tired of constantly trying and trying and trying and nothing changes. But we got to just keep trying. And that's the issue. I'm not saying you should give up. I'm just saying, you know, to be devil's advocate, that might be what it is. You can only try so much. So you're like, you know what? I'm done. I, I can't deal with this anymore. This is ridiculous. 
You know, think about it this way. When you have a girlfriend, if that girl keeps doing you dirty and doing you dirty and doing it, how many times are you going to say, you know what, bro, I, I, just, I can't, I got to go. Like, I got to end this hair. Yeah, it just depends on how, how much you really love. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I, but I am saying that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, me, me and my wife had the same conversation. I said, yo, we, we protest for a couple of weeks and then we stop and nothing changes, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe if we kept it going for, you know, for an extended period of time, for years and years and years, then maybe, you know. Something happens. Nothing happens there. overnight. Rome wasn't built overnight. True. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, so, so if the Black Lives Matter movement really wants to go on, you know, it's going to take a long time, you know, to find change. Um, ever, ever since uh, what? Once us millennials became adults, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the conservative policies have been going away, right? Because us millennials are in, and we don't like certain things. So all we got to do is just keep on protesting if there's really a change that needs to happen. But just because, and I'm sorry to say it, just because there was another black guy shot and only for two weeks, I'm going to riot the hell out of the city. I'm going to burn the city down. The hell are you going to burn the city down for? What's that going to change? You know what? It didn't change anything. It didn't change anything. It didn't change anything. Hold it, on. Actually spiked, it, it actually um, spiked up the coronavirus. Hang right? on. That's all it did. So it changed the numbers. Hang on. <laughs> the, the whole thing is, this thing didn't start with the whole because of, of, of race. I need you to understand that. It started because people had an outcry of police officers abusing people and not being held accountable. That's what this all stood for. And then the crazy thing is, you'll, you'll watch the news and you'll see people like Candace Owens say stuff like, oh, George Floyd, he was a criminal, he was a repeat offender, he was this, he was that. But they're not realizing that it doesn't matter what he did in the past, he deserved his day in court. The whole the, the way that situation was handled was absolutely and completely wrong. Now they're just devaluating a human's life just because of what he did in the past. But he's a dad. What he's doing now. He could have robbed eight banks, but now he could have been working, you know, volunteer hours, building houses for the poor. You can't you can't devalue someone's life because you disagree with what they did in their past. That's why it's called the past. We learn from it and we move on. And, and that's the big issue now is everyone is, is turning into, oh, well, he, he was this and he was that. It doesn't matter. Does it give you the right to take somebody's life? People are, people are human. abusing people. That's what needs to change. The fact that cops feel like it's okay. And then the, the whole thing is, when people are saying that Black Lives Matter, it comes off because we've seen time after time where, you know, a, a white person will get arrested for something and get a slap on the wrist. Uh, look at look at the kid who raped that girl. The judge said, oh, he's been doing it. It's going to ruin his life. Ruin his life. But look at look at the Central Park Six. They were ready to crucify those boys and they weren't even guilty. Yeah. The, 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 the problem is see the police acting completely different when it comes to two, two races of people. Black folks are getting a boot on their neck and white folks are getting a slap on the wrist. Uh, uh, oh, you know, we don't want to ruin your life. Or, you know what, this is great, but we'll give you two years. This is a warning. But then, you know, you got people that's been in prison for 25 years for a small drug charge. That, that, that's where the problem is coming up. People aren't seeing that the, 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 the drastic differences of how the exact same situation are being handled. You know, so this, this didn't start off strictly as a, 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 a racial thing. It started off as a, you need to hold these police accountable. And the fact that they're not, like, look how many cops are here killing people or, or abusing people and walking away like, mm-hmm. with, like it's absolutely nothing. They'll get what? A slap on the wrist. But consider, if myself, if, if you, if, if Jay decided to go out there and do the same thing to somebody, you know, we'd be in, in prison for years or worse. That's, that's where this whole thing started, and that's where it's going to keep going. People are, people are sick and tired of, of getting treated like they're less than human. Yeah. It, feels, it, feels, it feels like it's back in the days where we're only worth, what, one-third of a human being, and that's not right. That's why people are, are complaining, you know? So it goes back to, I don't think it's, you know, I mean, race has been an issue for years. I think race is always going to be an issue until the day that we die, you know, because I I just feel like we're, you know, we're all racist in our own little way. You know, we all discriminate in our own way. I I, I remember when I first moved out here to Florida, um, black people didn't really like me. You know, I, I, I used to get, you know, the, the, 
the grilling lug. You know what I'm saying? They, they used to grill me. You know? Ah, you're not from around here. You know? Black people in Virginia, though? You know, they cooled me. They were cool. You know? Because it's, I don't know if it was the up north thing. You know? Here's the problem. It's like it's a down south thing, you know? It's, if you're not from here, then people are going to treat you a little bit different, you know? You know? So, yeah. it just happens, but I, I just feel it's, it's all based on education. It's all based on your 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 state of mind, mm-hmm. you know. Um, half of my friends, or most of my friends, are black and and Hispanic. I I could count how many white friends I have on one hand, and it's probably just like two, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's just how I grew up. All right, so Jay, what is what is your and John opinion on this? How do y'all feel about this whole thing? Um, so I guess kind of let's go back to the looting and um, and the protests. So I think that very often the conversation switches and gets so focused on the looting and the burning and the, the devastation that's coming from it that people stop talking about the protests, which the truth is the majority of the protests, the protests that we went to, went to two protests out here, the pro- and there's been a ton of them happening in, in our community, and they've all been peaceful. And But what you see people focused on and what you see people talking about is the looting. And you're always going to have opportunists. You know, anytime there's a movement, you're going to have people who are jumping in just to take advantage. And you saw it with with with, with, the, with the people who were looting, <laughs> you just <laughs> went in there and taking shit. It was like, uh, I've got my eye on that TV. I had my eye on that TV for like you know uh, six months, mm-hmm. and now someone then broke the window. I'm gonna just go in there and get that TV. You know, it's like you're always going to have that. You know, and if we focus solely on that person and their actions, we miss the point of what actually is going on. We miss the point of what the protesters are talking about. Mm -hmm. So I also have to say that I get anger. I get that feeling of helplessness. If you keep, like, we've seen it time and time again. You know, African-Americans, black people say, we want equality. You guys aren't treating us right. You guys are not listening. You guys are not like, you know, why is it that because my name is Devon, it means that I'm going to have like, you know, less chance of getting hired. This shit's not wrong. You need to be addressing this. The person at the top, you know, government, you are not, you, you have, you've sat by or you have been a player in making sure that we don't get our fair share. You know, you guys put in rules back in the day that is still affecting us now, where we can live, redlining, all that stuff. People have been saying, needs to be fixed, needs to be fixed, needs to be fixed. Begging. At some point, you stop begging for shit. When you realize that begging doesn't get you anything. At some point, you stop asking for it. When you realize asking peacefully is not getting you anything. And so I think that is where... The, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying that I agree with the anger. What I'm saying is I understand the anger. And if we take the stance of, well, your anger is wrong, and because of how you're expressing it, we again are missing the point. We're missing the point of, of 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 what this is. It's like don't don't condone. I don't condone violence. I don't condone you know the expression of violence as a way of speaking. However, human beings tend to like think about yourself when you like when when you get to a point of absolute frustration in a situation. Sometimes you just want to punch a freaking wall. Not saying that it's right. (laughs) Against punching the wall. Not saying that there's not consequences from punching the wall. You punch the wall, you might break your fingers. You punch the wall, you're gonna have to fix that shit later. You know, it's like there are consequences. However, the human emotion that makes you want to punch the wall is still there, and it's sometimes expressed. You know, and so do we talk about the fact that you punched a wall and you made a hole in the wall, or do we talk about what? led you to the point of punching the wall see here's the thing some would some would argue that anger is the absolute best emotion to show because people don't hear things unless you're screaming it 
when you tell people, when you say it's not, hey, could you stop? Hey, please don't do this. Oh man, stop, stop. They don't hear it until you get angry and you start. You get in your face and you get loud and you shout. So no, I mean, I, I completely understand. And as for that whole making up rules back in the day, that that's still affecting us now. One of the such rules was segregation. You know. Some would agree with, oh, yeah, we need to segregate again. But I think they forget, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson, you know, mm -hmm. separate but equal. As long as it's separate, it will never be equal. Somebody is always going to have an advantage over the next. And I think that's what people don't realize, that as much as you might say, oh, we're equal, we, we, we can. There's no way we can be equal when you have, let's say, 99% of the, the, the wealth and the power, and we have that 1%. Mm -hmm. It might, you might give the illusion of equality, <laughs> but that equality is not there. And people, and, and people argue that all the time. Oh, yeah, but, but you're free. The fact that you have to say, but you're free, is <laughs> yeah. an issue. A, like, I don't know if any of y'all seen this. There was a video a little bit ago where um, this, this, this black guy and a white guy were arguing, and the white guy had a Confederate flag. And he's like, this is about my history. This isn't about you. And the guy said, well, what do you mean? Well, my, my parents fought under this flag. Um, fought on, on what? For what? For their land, for their farm. So the black guy goes, who, who, who tended the farm? And he said, my family did. And he's like, why? He's like, do you know how many one of you caused back then? <laughs> <laughs> and the argument that you have to ask somebody, do you know what one of you cost back yeah, then? Yeah. The yeah. fact that you can even say something like that should, should be the, the biggest eye opener of, of where the issue is. If you can't see that, then sh shit, that, there's no hope for any of us. That's true. Like, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, do you have anything? Sure. So, um, you know, the Black Lives Movements are all going on all over our town, right? Street corners, all of a sudden, you know, they're not big, um, you know, marches to Washington or anything, which, David, I think is a good idea, I think, to, you know, get it even on a larger scale. But the grassroots effort in our town was pretty impressive. And we live in a town that is probably... You know, high majority white. High ninety nine percent. No, it's not. <laughs> it feels like it feels like it sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it. I get it because. Um, but so we're we're outside on this corner of some two main streets, and Jan and I are out there. Our kids are out there. We got our masks on, our signs and stuff like that. We we're making noise. And it was good. And so most memorable moment that I had was these two white ladies drive up and, you know, they weren't getting out of their car because they were like doing the I'm driving around protesting thing. Honking <laughs> <laughs> their horn, right? Exactly. It's coronavirus. They're honking their horn. But this middle-aged white lady, she's got a sign on one side, she's driving around and it says BLM on one side. And then she turns the sign around and, she, and it says white privilege exists. Yeah. And to me, that was the, the strongest moment um, of all these protests that I personally experienced. And it's one of those things that if all these protests do create that, if they make people aware, white people aware, that there is such thing as white privilege and all white people experience that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And if you start that to think about that and to come to terms with that, what that means, I think that's a meaningful start <laughs> for all, all people to understand a little bit better what's going on here. So, so I, got goosebumps when you said that. I know that there's a fair amount of, you know, white folks who say, Hey, you know what? I want to help. I, I want to lend a hand, but they don't know how to, are they afraid that, the fact that they're now starting to help is going to seem insincere because they haven't said anything before. Uh, do you have any advice? Like, what do you think, what do you think they can do to kind of show their um, support? Support. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I think, um, I think all of us, right. Everyone has exist in a place where you see that it's okay to grow and change that you don't have to be the same person that you were back in college or mm -hmm. when you were growing up in a racist family or, mm -hmm. you know, you were had, um, in my case, in growing up in New Jersey, I lived in like a white town, a white suburb in New Jersey yeah. when 
right over the hill was Patterson, New Jersey, which was night and day, completely <laughs> different environment from the town of Wayne that I grew up in. But I think to answer your question, I think the most important thing that we all have to do is just realize that we're all growing and changing and it's okay. It's okay to have said shitty things or done shitty things. Or The thing is like people grow at different rates. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. not like everybody's on a linear path of just growth, you know? Right. Uh-huh. And you know, if somebody comes up to me and, you know, says something that I just totally don't agree with, sometimes just being like, you know what, buddy, you'll get there. Like, <laughs> yeah. You'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some people like you want to you want to help them, but some you just, you and some you just, just want to uppercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what? Now, to, to make a to make a quick U turn back to about real quick about this uh, the looting and the, the rioting thing. It, it's funny how how much you saw the rioting when it was happening. You know, the the news surely showed a lot of that rioting. Mm-hmm. They weren't showing a lot of the peaceful protests, yeah, yeah. but they were showing a ton of rioting. <laughs> Said again. Said they're not supposed to show the peaceful protests. No. But see, but, but why would you? Why would you want to sit down it's and like further? You're trying, to but, so you're trying to incite rage. What's that? I said, what sells? Yeah. Peaceful protest or a riot? You know what sells? Fighting numbers in coronavirus or saying that you know only uh, zero point. I don't know if we're or dying, but no, we got 10,000 people infected on a, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, like what sells. You're right. You know? it's, not, it's not helping the cause out at all. Jan, you were about it's, to say something now? Oh, I was just going to say that um, if, if, if your goal is to, if you focus on the looting and the, the rioting, guess what you're doing? You're muting the peaceful protest, you yeah, mute yeah. message, you yeah. get everyone's attention to focus on the um, sensationalism that is going on. And, 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 and I saw it, you know, it's like, so many people would say things like, you know, I was there with you guys and I was supporting the Black Lives Matter until, until you started rioting. And now all I'm focused on is the protest and the riots. I'm no longer talking about the message. So if we look at the media as, you know, it's like, and, and honestly, like I read this, um, it was like someone was asking a question and he had posted this like list. And it was like, look at all of the news and had broken it down into um, the parties and like where you get like um, where you will get unbiased news and where you will get like you know biased news and yeah. the majority of the news that we receive were coming from very partisan um, yeah. stations or like you know um, news news outlets you know you have Fox News very conservative you have <laughs> CNN, very liberal. You, you and it was like back and forth and back and forth. And you, you, you look at it and you have to ask yourself, you know, where do I? If if you say that you want to be educated and you say you want to actually like you know have an, an informed opinion, you have to ask yourself, where am I getting my my news exactly. from? Exactly. You know, where am I getting my news from? Because if you because a lot of people just are regurgitating, mm. you know that they from those very partisan like you know <laughs> news outlets coronavirus is real coronavirus is a hoax um <laughs> for, yeah. you know you, 4g you know, 5g like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. coronavirus is like it's from 5g it's like you have to start asking we as americans have to start asking ourselves those questions yeah. you know like, unless you start asking yourself those questions you are going to become a puppet of the media and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that the media is wrong i'm not saying that the media is like you know is that we need to get rid of the media you know that everything has its part to play in this but we as the consumers of what is being put out there need to be asking those questions i think that i am a big proponent of education like you need to educate yourself but not just from one source that is not education that is just like you know (laughs) that is feeding into propaganda education is and and you you you, you're beginning to learn this dex and i saw you learn a lot more of it when you get to law school it's like (laughs) (laughs) you don't just look at one source you don't get your information from one source you have Mm -hmm. to be willing to 
to, 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 to listen and read the things that you might not necessarily agree with, but there might be a point to be, you know, to be had or some lesson to be learned from that, you know, um, unless you have that well-rounded view, then you become the person who's like, I was supporting you until, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that doesn't really push the conversation forward. You know, it's like, it, it all it does is like stalls the conversation and you saw it happen. And so for the, there was another point that was made of like, well, where do we go from here? We stop, we've stopped protesting. What do we do? You have to keep having the conversations. The protests cannot continue to go on. You know, people yeah. are going to have to go back to work. People are going to have to like, you know, um, take care of their families. You cannot stand on the street corner every day, 24 yeah. seven. What we realize is even if you are there protesting for 365 days a, a year, right? Unless the people in power are listening to the message and doing something about it, then your behind is going to be on that corner for another mm-hmm. 365 days, you know, of the next year and the next year and the next year. Right. Um, so protesting cannot continue. It takes so much energy and time and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But beyond protesting has got to be the conversations with the people that actually are in the position to make a difference. You know, it's like companies who do you who do, who do you want to be talking to do you want to be talking to the, the the bottom person or do you want to be talking to the ceo who is in the position to make a difference mm-hmm. our government who is in the position to change and maybe we need to start looking at that like looking at not being so partisan not being so i'm a democratic i'm a, I'm a conservative but looking for putting people in positions that can advance our agenda, whatever your agenda is whatever your agenda looks like and maybe that is partisan <laughs> but i think that that is also part of the conversation that we need to be having you know it's like we cannot just say protest 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 we it, 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 it it's it's got its place it's not but it's not we can't we can't do this yeah we can't maintain that for forever you're right but it is unsustainable yeah what do we do if things don't change that's that's the real question you know that's just what she just said you yeah. have to you have to put people that are willing to make these changes in the position to make the changes. But you start government. Say you just start with your city government. You know, you start with local presence and from your local presence you go to the state. And then from the state you have a bigger voice and then you can go on, you know, to the nation, right? You can go to Washington DC. You know, so we gotta start small, just work on your local government, just start seeing changes and then from there progress. You know there has to be a plan in place. You know, if there's no plan in place, then that's going to happen, man. You You're know, right. You're right. Man. Here's, here, here, here's a question, John. I, I, I got to ask you, you were saying that people were, people say, well, I was on your side on tail. Well, <laughs> if, if, it, if it really takes that, were you really on my side though? <laughs> if you're on my side, then one small little hiccup shouldn't be the reason you say, hey, you know what? I'm not following this. It could be, hey, I agree with what you're saying, but then you start looting. I don't know. Nah, I can't yeah, go with that. Yeah. You could say, I agree with what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with looting, but I still see your point and I agree with mm-hmm. you on that aspect. Now, let's find another way to get our voices across, you know? Let's... Yeah. let's Let's stop supporting these businesses that that, yeah, that don't seem thing. to care about us. Let's focus on 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 black businesses. When, when we go out, let's let's try to buy black liquor rather than just anything. You know, instead of going and nothing against Walmart, but instead of going and spending all your money at Walmart, let's go ahead and find one of these um, you know small mom and pop shops and support them. They have the same they have the same thing. Yes, you might be paying them a little bit more, but at the end of the day. They're not Walmart. They don't have the funds to be able to to sell things at such a big deal and still make it out at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you guys think we should be reopening right now or? <laughs> uh, because of the coronavirus? Yeah. So it's a complicated, like, you know, answer. Should we be reopening in steps in, in, in with safety in mind? Let me ask you this. Do you, do you think it's the time for uh, kids to go back to school? Man, <laughs> the, the mom in me wants to say, hell yeah. However, what we're asking is for our teachers who are underpaid, for our staff who are underpaid to risk their lives so that we can be comfortable with not taking care of our own kids. <laughs> yeah, man, hang on. Let me, let me stop you right there, okay? From Monday through Friday, 9 to 3 o'clock, that's their kids. Right now, we take care of their kids. I need, I need a paycheck for that. Like, give me something, man. Hey, 
teachers out here have me teaching their kids for free, man. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I got to see. I have a, um, a fr- I have a couple of friends who are teachers, and they've got kids. And so during this like whole quarantine, these p- teachers were trying to parent their kids at home while also teaching our children. And you yeah, know, it's like that's we, but we forget. Yeah. You know, we get so caught up in ourselves. How is this affecting me? How is this affecting my life? Mm-hmm. That you forget that there's someone else on the other side of this whose lives are being affected, you know? So I had to like really think about that when I would complain or when I had to like write an email to a teacher, like, hey, my kids got 20 zeros and I know we've done this and you haven't fixed it yet and you need to get on it. I had to really check myself and say, wait, if I'm having this problem over here, right? I, and all I have to do, I have my job and I'm, I'm kind of helping my kid like, you know, get through this. That there's a teacher over there who's doing the same thing who's also having to help their kid mm-hmm. while having to be responsible for not only my kid but like 30 other kids and imagine that teachers got like you know teaching like two or three classes now they've got like you know 90 kids that they got to be doing that for and so um i think that that conversation of like should we go back to school i think we really need to be asking ourselves what exactly are we asking for here you know are we asking to go back to school because we think our kids are going to be better at school be- or are we asking for it because we're sick and tired of having our kids? <laughs> 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 Just because they need to go to school. <laughs> they need to get out of like, You need to go be somebody else's problem from 9 to 3 o'clock uh, because uh, I don't want to have to deal with that. You know, it's like we really need to, I think we're missing the compassion in a lot of, the, in a lot of that, the, that, that conversation. It's like we, we and, and then I think it needs to be brought back. That you these know, people are, they're people. And we're asking them to go risk their lives for, for our own comfort and convenience. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that having, that it's not going to be a hardship for, there's a lot of families out there that not having school is a hardship because they need to figure out who's going to take care of their little kids while they go work. Or they might have, they, they, they're choosing between staying at home and helping my kid and you know and going to school and obviously there we know that there is going to be a disparate um treat like there's going to be a disparate effect for people who are uh, minorities who are already struggling who are now going to be like shit now i gotta teach you i don't i didn't even go to school now i gotta teach you and figure out how to make money you know so i'm not saying that that that, that, that's a, a real concern and i get to sit here in my little like you know life and work from home and say yeah of course like you know i could have my kid at home so i don't want to be ignorant to the fact that this is a real conversation for a lot of families um and which is why there is no real answer to that question should we go back to school you know because there's so many different things that need to be considered in this in this conversation so that's that's my answer (laughs) you know jan you, you you made a good point but this this only brings up the fact that there's a there, there's a very horrible, horrible fact we all need to accept that at the end of the day, if our kids are doing poorly at school, you can't always blame the teacher for it. My mom, my mom has been a teacher since I was a child. You know, she's, a, she's still a teacher now. And um, at one point, it was always like, well, if you're failing, it's a teacher. For, but you're not, the teacher isn't expected to teach your children everything. They're supposed to give them the basics to make it through life. At the end of the day, when it was time to do homework, my mom would sit down. And she would say, do your homework. And then she would take a look at it, right? And whatever I didn't do right, she'd be like, okay, do this again. And she would show me how to do the first one and I'd have to figure it out. At the end of the day, we've all gotten to a point to where we got comfortable and we, we felt like it was a teacher's job to educate our children. Do you think that uh, class sizes are too big? Because I think that that's one of the problems. You know what I mean? It, it, depends, it depends on what you consider too big and how, how big a class size might be. Not all classes are, are, are gigantic classes. Take a private school, for example. How many kids are in a, a private school? See, then that, and that's where you were going back to what Jan was talking about with the whole red line and, 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 and the difference in, in, in equality. Yeah. The larger public schools have more children and less teachers. So, yes, that is an issue because at that point, the teachers can't say focus on, on any child and, and, and give them the help they need. Because now, instead of focusing on, you know, John that's sitting here trying to figure out his ABCs, you have, you know, 30 other students that are that already learned that. Now they're trying to learn the multiplication tables. As in for private schools, some of these schools have two to three teachers to a class, mm-hmm. you know, and they can sit down for 20 minutes and focus on one student while the other two teachers teach the class, you know. 
But um, shouldn't it be like the rule, the general rule is the whole class doesn't go ahead until everybody knows what's going on. See, you, again, you can't do that either because yeah. not everyone learns the same. You understand? Sometimes you have kids that are really, really smart and some kids that aren't. And then you have some kids that are smart that just don't want to try. So now you're sitting down saying that I have to punish because, because you don't know it. Because, yeah. You know what? A better example, I used to take uh, Krav Maga in Hawaii, right? And every time my, my teacher got a new student, he would start over. And I would sit here like, damn it, again. I just learned that last. Come on, man. So at the end of it, I feel like I got out of it knowing like six moves. <laughs> and I took the class forever. I was so, I was so mad. Yeah. I was paying all this money to learn the same move over and over and over and over again. So How old are your children? Say it again. How old are your children? Who, mine or Jazz? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. My two daughters are seven and two. And, and how are Jan's kids? Uh, my son's 17 and my daughter's 13. Hey, you know what? Let me be okay. the first to tell you, they are raising some amazing kids. Like, <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, oh, every time I see the kids, you're like, man, I hope my kids turn out that well, man. They, they're, they're grounded. They don't want, like... There are kids that don't want for too much. I remember a couple of years ago, Jan was saying that they asked their kids, what do you want for Christmas? And this was years ago, mind you. The kids was like, I already have everything. We could just donate whatever you buy. Wow. Like, you don't hear kids say that. That's, that's, well, and that's exactly and that's, and that's what that. I'm talking about. <laughs> Teach, teachers don't teach that. You got to learn that at home. You know, It's all on the parents. We can't always necessarily assume it's a teacher's job to mm. teach our children everything. They can teach them exactly. the We got to polish that off. Yeah. We teach them social skills. They teach them education, right? In this time right here, when when in 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 March, right? In March, that, that was spring break, right? Or was it April? Oh, I don't even know. It's yeah. but yeah, something like that. And and then once, uh, okay, kids aren't going back to school, you know, for two weeks. Okay, cool. Uh, now kids aren't going back to school for another month. Okay, cool. So now, as a parent, you got to be a parent. You gotta bring the money home, and you gotta be be a teacher, you know. And at times, you know, we can teach our kids social lives how to survive. You know, you said it backwards. You know, you said you know teaching them the basics. No, we teach them the basics. Mm -hmm. Teachers teach them education. Hold on, hold on. I disagree. My daughter and my son how to survive. Hold on, hold you on, know? hold on. I'm, I'm not a good. But see, I'm, I'm not good on the education part, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to show her certain things, right? Yeah. So I think we should have like a Zoom like this to where a teacher can teach the class still. See, here's you know? the thing. I think that'll be a good alternative. Here's the, it depends on what you consider basics, though. At the end of the day, me personally, I feel like a lot of things that we learn in school now are inconsequential. They don't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't used X times Y equals Z <laughs> since, since, since high school. And then when exactly. I learned statistics in, in, in school lately, it was kind of like, okay, I can get how this might be relevant to somebody in John's career field where he's a nurse. Yeah. But for me, I don't necessarily need, to, I don't care about nothing. I don't need to know this. Yeah. But see, basics are, are you know, hey, you know, dress nice, you know, talk to people with a little bit of manners. We need to teach kids stuff like um, financial responsibility. We, 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 we need to teach them, you know, how to protect themselves. We need to teach them how to speak in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intelligently, mm -hmm. where they can go anywhere and have these conversations. They're not going to learn these skills in school. Me, I didn't learn to speak to anyone anywhere until I joined the military. And I was forced into being around a lot of other people. And mm -hmm. you know what? Funny story. I met a guy in the military, um, this white dude. I was sitting down one day cleaning my shoes and he looked at me and he started to laugh. I said, what's going on? He's like, the bottom of your feet, they're, they're white. I'm like, I'm sorry? He's like, I've never seen a black person before. I thought the palm of your hands and the bottom of your feet were the same color of your skin. But the point is, he wasn't taught about other people. You understand? He said he didn't. He said his school didn't teach him who, who Martin Luther King was. Wow. He, he was, <laughs> he was unaware of who that was for a while. You understand? Where was he from? Do you remember? I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But he said his neighborhood was really. It was. It was. It was a small town, and it was mostly white. West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Arkansas. But, <laughs> but the, the point is, the point is, at the end of the day, yes, you accept this. You expect the school to teach you certain things, but as the parent. You're supposed to give them the majority of their knowledge. You understand? You're supposed to teach them. You're supposed to teach them how to handle everyday life. 
you know, on top of always being being better than what they're taught out elsewhere, you know? That's the survival skills that I'm talking about. You know, those are social skills us as parents we teach. That you know, history one on one, um, algebra, uh, physics. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not teaching my kids that. Nah, man, you went to school for that. Nah, I mean, I'll teach you how to how, how to make money. I'll teach you how to survive. I'll teach you how to tie your shoe. But uh, <laughs> no, no, you're a teacher. So you know, we have to figure out. We got to adapt to what's going on. And we got to just make school differently, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not to traditional classroom setting, but, you know, this digital right here, this is great. I can learn from someone like this, and I'm pretty sure a lot of kids can learn from having an instructor in front of them. But because parents aren't always as patient, you yeah, know, to teach right. them something yeah. about education, you know, to 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 read a story or to uh to, to teach them their multiplication because they don't know two times two and, you know, they get frustrated with their child. What if the parent doesn't even understand the language, understand English very well, you know? How are they going to teach half the stuff? And, yeah. and you know, it, it's also what you, how can you ask your child to know something that you you don't know yourself? Exactly. You don't know yourself. That's yeah. why you got to have a teacher. You know, teachers are very important, man. We just got to yeah. adapt to what's going on. But you they're know? underpaid as, as well as police. They're both underpaid yeah. for what they do, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we got we to gotta figure something out. Yeah. But we're running a little short on time here, so... Can I ask John one question? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How's your ankle, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for asking. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been great. It's been amazing. This new yeah. ankle is like, uh, changed my world. So, so what yeah, is it? Is, a, is it like a, a prosthetic ankle or is it... Yeah, it actually is a prosthetic ankle. So yeah. it's got a piece of titanium and then a piece of polyurethane and then a piece of titanium. <laughs> and they just created a whole new joint, just like people get a knee replacement or a hip replacement. Yeah. Uh, this is an ankle replacement. It's supposed to last about 10 years if I don't destroy it. Jan, you are married to the bionic man now. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think it's, it's cool, a life changer, man. Thank you for asking. No problem, no problem. See, you couldn't give me something like that. Hey. I'm like, get on my back. I'm going to hop on one foot to see, how, to see if we can break this. Like, me, I'm, I'm, I'm a jerk like that. I want to put a test to it. Hold on. You don't play tennis, do you? No, I don't tennis. John is a surfer, man. Surfer. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. John is a very active person. You guys live near the beach? Yep. Yeah. About five minutes away. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm jealous. <laughs> know, right? But here, since we're gonna end this off, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it on a on a, on a good note. You know, all this bad stuff been happening. There has been a little bit a little bit of good shirt? news. You see the shirt, everybody? Oh, you see that shirt? Listen, listen. With, with everything going on, your world. Researchers. Listen, listen. But this now on a, on on a good note. Lately, researchers have spotted a a rare blue bee. Uh, in Florida, and they thought it was supposed to be extinct, but in the past, like I say, month or so, they they found a colony of them. So it looks like with everything negative happened, there's a little bit of reset going on. All right, it's just a beautiful May- maybe. <laughs> listen, listen, maybe maybe the world is sick of us. Like you know what I'm done. I'm done with these people. Let's get rid of them yeah. and let the animals take back over. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what's going on here. We talk about survival of the fetus. We're the not fit. <laughs> you know, exactly. we don't have claws, no fur, nothing. We are. Oh my God, we are extremely fragile. Yeah, we're not prepared. Listen, <laughs> you get up in the middle of the night and stub your toes like the end of your life. You're laying on the floor for fifteen minutes, just crying. But uh, but hey, this is a great show. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, we definitely hope to have everyone on here again. Thank you for having us, Dex. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you for subscribing, for logging in, you know, watching the show. Hit a like and a subscribe and we'll have another one coming soon. Have a good one.